If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. There's just a lot of people excited to be here this morning, so we're just taking our time, easing in this morning. Welcome from Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. This is World Communion Sunday, a day when we pay specific attention to the fact that we are not lone rangers, we are not silos, we are part of the body of believers near and far, a family of faithful followers of Jesus and bound by a love that believes that all of us need all of us to make it. We have the good fortune to have with us Lydia Weber, a German theology student who has been with us for the last month, completing a practicum for her studies. Lydia and I have worked together to make this, to make the most out of this World Communion Sunday. Will you pray with me? As much as we can't stand Pat Robertson's brand of Christianity, Holy One, we confess that we have rarely felt so spiteful as to ask you to rain down fire and brimstone on a particular group of folks than we have this week. We'd like to ask you to smite the fundamentalist evangelical legislators who attacked the transgender community and to continue to try to take science out of the practice of medicine. We are so angry. We are so frustrated. We are so discouraged. But we can hear you whisper, yes, be angry, but do not sin. So we will not wish a pox upon their houses, even though it would be effective because they're probably also (laughs) anti-vaxxers. Clearly, our hard hearts aren't ready to pray for them, so we're going to worry about our own hearts, Holy One, and they are not just hard, they are hurt. 
The second letter to the Corinthians speaks of a community that was having a hard time, too. It says they were afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, and forsaken. But they still held fast to you, to each other, to the idea that they would not go quietly. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. They found a way to hold on, Holy One. You have promised to make a way when there is no way, and we trust that promise. So we promise to hold fast and to keep working to make things right. We pray in the name of Jesus, who showed us that love will have the last word. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the second letter to Timothy, chapter 1, verses, four, uh, verses 7 through 14. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power, and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and for this reason I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. This Sunday is technically not a high holy day in the church, but perhaps it should be. World Communion Sunday offers congregations a distinctive opportunity to experience communion in the context of the global community of faith. The first Sunday of October has become a time when Christians in every culture break bread and pour the cup, and remember that we are part of the whole body of believers. All over the world, in grand cathedrals and mud huts, outside on hilltops and plains, in meeting houses or in storefronts, or like us, in the traditional red brick, white steeple church, followers of Jesus are celebrating the communion in as many ways as there are congregations. World Communion Sunday can be both a profound worship experience and a time for learning more about our wider community of faith. 
It is also a vital reminder that it is not our differences that matter most, but what we have in common. No church is using the exact same words today in worship. No congregation shares any other's particular nuances or idiosyncrasies. Instead, we have a shared hope, a shared ethos, and a shared spirit that creates a shared Christian identity. And we hear about it in our text for today. The, sal the salutation says that Paul wrote this text, but scholars are not really sure exactly who wrote the letters to Timothy. And Lydia did comment on the irony of us using a text whose authorship is unknown to talk about identity. Regardless, these letters were written under conditions in which the survival of the Christian community seemed highly doubtful to any realistic observer. Many hostile forces were challenging the continued existence of the fragile community, and the author sought to ensure that other generations would have the opportunity to hear the good news by describing the characteristics of followers of Jesus, the values Timothy should try to live and breathe so that the good news would be embodied in his time and place. In our context, it also feels a bit like hostile forces are attempting to diminish the faith. Religious zealots and extremists use scripture as a weapon attempting to force their worldview on others, using God's name in vain to oppress and deny freedom to others. We see it every time our state legislature meets. The urgency for us to live differently is as high as it was for Timothy. So today we turn again to this letter for advice on how we might embody the good news in our time and place. Today is World um, Communion Sunday. This year, um, a network of pastors in the global ministries, a partnership between the Christian Church Disciples of Christ and the United Church of Christ, including us, committed to dedicate today's sermon to the subject of Christian nationalism. Every year on this Sunday, Christians around the globe celebrate together their unity in remembrance of Jesus Christ. Let's think together about the concept of Christian nationalism and Christian identity, as other congregations will do too today, and let us be aware um, of that topic in unity. When Laurie and I talked this week about religious or nationalism, uh, Christian nationalism, I thought I have to look up the attributes of nationalism because I don't know exactly what it is. So maybe you all know more what it is, but um, I let you know about my thinking process. So in the Cambridge Dictionary, I found the description as a great or too great love of your own country. It is also the feeling of affection and pride that people have for their own country. I know that feeling a little bit when we have a soccer World Cup event in Germany. I know the feeling. But um, for me, nationalism has a negative connotation. I'm from Germany and I and the generation of my parents 
We were raised not to be proud being German. I'm not used to singing the national hymn before every sports game or sports event or having a country flag hanging around proudly anywhere. In my circle of friends, we think it's strange when people of Germany have a German flag hanging in their gardens or on their house. But being proud of a nation, of people with a common identity in descent, history, religion, culture, language, is not intrinsically bad. It is okay to love who you are, but the problem starts when you think you are better than others. We see this with faith too. So when we talk about Christian identity, we need to think about what exactly Christian identity is so it, don't, um, it won't lead to Christian nationalism. A week ago, Italy voted for a new government. The big new party is the Fratelli d'Italia. They say they refer to a Christian identity in their government decision. The Fratelli d'Italia is known for being ultra-conservative, for anti-immigration and nationalism. The second white wing, um, right-wing faction in Europe to win in a short time following the Swedish general election. Yesterday, people in over 150 cities in the whole world took part in the Global Day of Action for Iran in rallies against the Islamic Republic. Iranian people fight for women not to be forced to wear hijabs. They fight against discrimination, state control, and patriarchy. In India, Muslim women fight so they get the freedom to wear hijabs when they want to. We hear about national Hindus and their hijab ban. The last example is one of Christian nationalism in America. From the media that I consume in Germany, I have noticed a lot of instances of American nationalism that calls itself Christian. What we find in scripture is not Christian nationalism, but Christian identity. The distinguish between nationalism and identity is an important one. Identity is the condition or character as to who a person is, the qualities, beliefs, etc., that distinguish or identify a person. So what is Christian identity? Where better to look for an answer than to look at the scripture reading for today where Paul or some other author tells Timothy how to live his full Christian identity, right? One of the first things we find about Christian identity in the reading from today is that God gives us spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. As for power, we do not need to act out of fear. One of the most repeated phrases in the Bible is, do not fear. I read somewhere it's about 365 times, so a lot. Um, we do not have to be afraid of change or people that are different than we are or ideas that we are not familiar with. Christians are not afraid, so we are people who do not control, uh, try to control others. As to having a spirit of love, I think it means to encounter and welcome others in love like we like to be encountered and welcomed and loved by them. Um, having love in communion, unity and relationships. As for having a spirit of self-discipline, I had some struggles to um, uh, get the full impact of this English word, 
so I work with the German word, um, but Laurie told me it's Christians do not need to be oversellers, but instead calm and non-anxious. The German word tr translation is Besonnenheit. I thought it would be nice for you to know a new German word, Besonnenheit. If you like, you can repeat after me, Besonnenheit. Besonnenheit. Yes, one more time, Besonnenheit. Besonnenheit. Yes, you get it. Um, so Besonnenheit, you could translate in something like prudence, deliberateness, consideredness, discretion or sober-mindedness. It means I can be calm and believe in me because I'm able to evaluate, to think clear and ponder my options. The author also tells us that Christians suffer for gospel. This means that we expect to be uncomfortable in order to bring the good news. We know we must make sacrifices in order to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. One interesting fact about the original text um, is that the Greek word we read is dynamis. It can also mean something, something like dynamics or movement. So when others are self-conscious or they can't do it on their own, God gave us the dynamis to stand behind them, to stand with them and in front of them. For example, we stand between queer people and unjust laws. Instead of spending our time and money just on ourselves, we can combine our tithes and offerings to care for others. <laughs> it's tricky. That word is tricky. Yeah, it's a tricky word. Um, the interesting part I find is that the author points out that he is a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. I find the word choice important. These titles are not about using force or coercion, coercion, but about persuasion and the way of a way we live. It's not about creating laws that oppress others or force um, others to live the way we want them to live. Finally, um, Christian identity is marked by grace. The author talks about not being saved through anything we have done or earned or an ache through law. We are saved through the love of Jesus Christ and his love and power and besonnenheit. Um, we carry in us through the Holy Spirit. This is revealed in how we live and not how we force others to live. Because we live that, we can talk about it, we can tell people, we can preach it and we can teach it. And preaching and teaching is nothing about forcing. Of course, the author couldn't write to Timothy with specific instructions how we should, we should act now almost two, uh, two, two thousand years um, a, after, later in a different world and society. So the scripture lets it kind of open for our own experience and what the spirit does with love, self and power, love and self-discipline in us. So what does um, power, love, and self-discipline or besonnenheit really mean for our daily routine and how we live out our Christian identity? I think Christian identity is relationship work. We have a relationship with God. We have relationships with people we meet. And every little bit of power, love, and self-discipline flows into that. I met so many people while I was here. I'm full of happiness um, for the relationships I built. Some of them will continue, 
and some of them were just a quick moment in time where I sat with them in a circle and we thought and talked about the same things that were important to us. But from all these relationships, these encounters, I'm enriched. Through all um, these encounters, I grew stronger. Through being here and meeting so many new people, I have started to understand new perspectives and thoughts I have never considered before. And this Christian identity is a relationship identity because now that we know each other, we can stand for each other. Mm-hmm. Christian identity is a process. <clears throat> I am not a Christian and suddenly know, I know everything and know exactly how to act, help or how to do the thing the right way. In conversations the last four weeks, I learned so much, although my English is not that best, but uh, just by talking and listening to people, uh, by witnessing how they were living their lives and connecting with others, I grew and with me uh, my identity. Christian identity should be used to think critically about ideologies. Through learning from each other, we are aware of different beliefs that guide us. We question the body of doctrine, of myth, etc. And Christian identity offers the chance to be anti-nationalistic, to break boundaries, geographic ones or others. Like we do today, talking about this topic in different cities, like I mentioned before, me, a German person celebrating with you, an Oklahoman congregation, yeah, this, the important point I see is that Christian identity is, identity is not tied to Christian nationalism. It doesn't matter if you're German or if you're American or Indian or Mexican. The gospel is bigger than borders or human-made nations. So I leave tomorrow. I promise to work on living our Christian identity in Germany. And I'm counting on you to lift our Christian identity here. And together we will show the world that our identity works in communion. It is not a Christian nation, but the people of God. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.